This this place is a mess, man. You're over here. You're wearing sunglasses. This place is kind of a wreck, man. Are you, hold on, are you are you feeling okay, man? I am never eating trick or treat candy again. Ugh. This is the last time. I swear to God. Oh, <sighs> Denny, that's that's what you said last year. And could you close you the blinds? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll be more sensitive. Now, Denny, what you're experiencing is, of course, a common Halloween hangover, but don't worry. Got the cure. Got a little fix for you. Just a little cocktail of my own that uh, my family swears by for Halloween hangovers like the one you're experiencing now. We're going to watch something a little spooky, but it's not going to be scary. It really just helps that candy kind of settle down in your stomach. I know you're... A big fan of choking down Milky Ways and Nerds Gummy Clusters, but uh, this should feel you, make you feel right as rain in no time here, pal. Let's go. Let's go watch Gremlins 2. How about it? That sounds like a movie that is not nauseating at all. What a great pick for someone with an upset stomach. I'm in. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have not considered this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie doopsies. Welcome back, everybody. Spooky season is over. We took a brief little hiatus because of the timing of the Halloween episode, but uh, yeah, we're here. We're nursing Denny's hangover as he recovers from all of Reese's pieces that he was consuming uh, ad nauseum. Emphasis on nausea. So, hell yeah, Denny. How is your Halloween? It's over. We're well into November now. How are yeah. you kind of reflecting on the spooky season as we had? We, we, were, we were busy. I, uh, reflections I'm taking away from this spooky season are, um, I need better stress management. <laughs> um, I shouldn't let myself get so excited about spooky season because that's bad for my mental health as a bipolar rock and roller. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have spent less on Halloween decorations if I wasn't in a manic episode. Mm. And we got more trick-or-treaters than ever. And uh, hell of a Halloween, if you ask me. Honestly. That's pretty exciting. I think we're lamenting about the death of trick-or-treating, but uh, it's alive and well. It's back. It's making a comeback. That's really exciting to hear. You said it was like a record number of kids coming up uh, trick-or-treating. Was there any, like, what was the best costume you saw that came to your door? Um, there was one uh, very high-quality, like, fantasy elf Um and there was one uh, one group of, like, they were, like, three-year-olds. Like, they barely knew what was going on and what to do with the, with the buckets. And, you know, yeah. and, um, they were all adorable. But one dressed as Elmo particularly stood out as um, a, a cute-ass child on Halloween. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, you know, it was just your kind of run-of-the-mill, like, uh, Spider-Mans, Iron Mans, you know, the kind of stuff uh, a modern kid would want to be for Halloween. I didn't see any, like, uh, 
you know, like, mom worked for a month on this type of stuff, you know? But it was, it was a good night. Yeah. Uh, more trick-or-treaters okay. than I've had in the rest of my adult life combined. Um, I'm really happy we moved into this neighborhood for Halloween's sake. <laughs> for for Halloween's sake. That's what we looked up on the uh, statistics is trick-or-treaters per, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't need to see what school district. What's the... <laughs> No, not crime statistics. Candy-seeking statistics, please. What's the ratio of families to Baptist in this neighborhood? That's going to tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I'll let you know how it goes if we have a house next year, but we'll see. Uh, full-size candy bar houses are the way of the future for us uh, millennials that want to spoil the youth. Yep. That's cool. Shouts to Elmo. I've even still got a few full bars left over um, because I was prepared. Um, Hence the hangover. Some of those kids took like five. I was generous. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to say anything because I know I'll have leftovers, but damn kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't want to be not cool on Halloween, but you're putting me in an uncomfortable position with how many full bars you took. Yeah, exactly. You can't. They're they're really calling your bluff. Like if you're doing the whole bars, I know you're not going to get. You're not going to say anything when I grab twelve. Like, <laughs> totally. Well, cool, man. Uh, other than trick or treaters, I assume you had a little bit of uh, Halloween spooky movie watching since the last time we talked. Uh, what else have you been watching in the transition out of spooky season? I, I think it's a pretty clean transition. Um... The, the day before Halloween, I watched, uh, I watched uh, Tied for First Place. is my favorite movie covered uh, last year on this podcast, and I will only watch it in the month of October, Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah! I, I love it more every time I see it. I get an even deeper appreciation for the happy accident that is meaning-making out of that, like, haphazardly written and, <laughs> like, uh, famously mm-hmm. slapped-together movie. Um <laughs> God damn, do I love Beetlejuice, though. Um, but in the uh, Halloween Hangover, um, I, I watched... Uh, oh, wait, on Halloween night, I, I actually watched uh, the Community Halloween episodes, the three that count, not the gas leak. Um, and Correct, I watched yeah. uh, what I would say are the two best uh, Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes, which is The Hauntening and Full Bars. Uh, so that was... we saved yeah, Speaking those of Full Bars. Night. Yeah. And that is so. a special night, so that's cool. Hell yeah. yeah. Nice little um, spooky season for yourself. Yeah, man. It was pretty sweet. Uh, you know, if you're too old to go trick-or-treating, be the cool house. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I watched uh, a Vincent Price film, Theater of Blood. <laughs> um, Vincent oh, okay. Price is a uh, Shakespearean actor who has faked his own death, um, and he comes back to kill... Um, critics who reviewed him negatively in the way that the murders happened in the Shakespeare play he was in. Um, if if that sounds hard to follow, it's not. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's basically Vincent Price doing like a 90-minute monologue. Like, he is just like talking, talking, talking through the whole movie, like absolutely carrying every scene. Team is on the man's back, and uh, I, I've got an even deeper appreciation for the like once in a generation treasure that was Vincent Price. Um, 
and it was pretty good gore uh pretty fun stuff a 70s movie uh i watched after that i was going on my uh i was wrapping up my dario argento kick and i watched deep nice. red um nice cool yeah so apparently this is one of his more famous ones um or one of the most famous in the genre um, I would say I liked it probably less than both the other ones I watched of uh, Tenebrae and uh, uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, it was mm-hmm. honestly kind of more of the same. Like, it wasn't that different from the other two. Like, if you ask me, I'd say he made um, three really similar, very strong showings in the Jalo genre. And uh, uh, the difference is this one had uh, psychic powers and uh, stuff like that in it. So that was kind of cool. And a scary doll. Okay. Oh, scary oh, dolls. We love those around. We love those around here. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll give them yeah. a buy, though, because it was like a like 70s Italian film. So that wasn't like done to death, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, we see that now. We're like, this is a franchise. What's the doll's name? Um, yeah, no, that sounds like a good watch week. Is that all you? Is that all you got around to? Um, I got one more. It was uh, yeah, my uh, homie and friend of the show Willis uh, wanted to come over and watch a movie, and I said, "What movie do you want to watch?" And he said, "Coneheads," and I said, "Who am I to resist? <laughs> Let's watch Coneheads, I guess." So we watched the uh, we watched the Coneheads movie with Dan Aykroyd and. Uh, man weirdly an absolute who's who of comedians at the time like it was kind of like a wet hot american summer cast where it would just be like holy shit adam sandler did a scene what chris farley's the love interest uh you know Uh like (laughs) people were just popping up briefly everywhere um it was it was really cool to see that uh as far as movies go it was a bunch of loosely connected snl sketches which i think is probably the most you can ask for from coneheads um Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, the funniest thing I've seen in my life, but I I do think it had a a certain amount of charm to it. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's my what I've been watching. (coughs) Excuse me. What about you, Greg? Oh, hell yeah. No, that sounds like a good time. Shouts to Willis. We love watching movies with him. Um, I didn't watch too terribly much. I kind of bounced on spooky season pretty soon after we recorded our last episodes i didn't really have any more scary movies um the first thing i watched got the hat on i watched the texas rangers win the world series that's not a movie or a show but a life event i was very uh (laughs) i was very stoked on that it was something my whole life in the making plus like three more decades so (laughs) it's something i'm myself and my parents have been waiting on forever finally happened it was very cool way to go texas rangers baseball something i don't really watch though Uh, even i am aware of the texas rangers winning the world series blue balls like even i've experienced it and i don't touch sports with a 49 and a half foot pole Uh. ah christmas teaser i like it um yeah that's that's the uh, sports <laughs> segment of the show, I guess. My <laughs> wife and I watched a a Netflix movie that is making me... Uh, okay, I'll talk about the movie first. It's called Pain Hustlers. It is a Emily Blunt and Chris Evans movie. Kind of like a semi-based on a true story, I think. I don't, I don't really remember. 
It's a kind of a true crime. Oh man, the the corporate we're just like selling painkillers and we're just you know following these people on their meteoric rise to success in the drug industry. And it's like, is everything up to par? I don't think so. I don't know. I can't really tell you much about the movie. I didn't know it existed until it like popped up on our Netflix feed, and I won't. I don't think I'll remember it exists within a few weeks here. Uh, one of the better reviews I saw on it was basically like the first 45 minutes are pretty engaging, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the movie just goes on autopilot. And, and not in a cool airplane type of way. Yeah, it's. It, <laughs> I guess it lands. It's like two hours, 20 minutes, and oh. it did not require mm. that we're just like and it was only good for 45 yeah Ooh. i think so and then Ooh, it was like brother it it was solidly watchable after that but it wasn't like it's just another like crime kind of movie that i'm not going to remember anything about later mm -hmm. except maybe in a trivia of obscure emily blunt films and <laughs> chris evans continued um foray into straight to streaming movies that suck and are forgettable. Although the Gray Man and whatever that one with Anna de Armas is on Apple. Uh, but I watch good movies too. I watch a couple of bangers, a couple of couple of hitters. I watched a movie I haven't seen since high school. A David Cronenberg film, Ooh. A History of Violence. I haven't seen that one. It's good. I think you should watch it. I think I you'd would like love it. To. He absolutely crushes it, man. And maybe there's like a few weird, like kind of off dialogue moments, especially with like the younger actors. But it is an insanely satisfying movie. Viggo Mortensen is a rock star. And you're like, I thought this guy was hot in The Lord of the Rings. And then every movie you watch with him since then, where he's getting older, you're like, oh, he can get hotter. That's great to know. And David Cronenberg recognizes that and insists on showing him and on showing the audience as much of Viggo Mortensen as possible. That was big. And I respect him for that as a filmmaker. <laughs> uh, but it's cool. It's like a bunch of short parts. Like Ed Harris is in there for a while. Uh, Tom Hurt is in there. Like absolute, like in and out of the movie. Like some of the best small performances I've ever seen in film. It's so cool. Um, the other movie I watched, a director we've covered once on here. I'm kind of getting back into the work. I've kind of bounced back and forth. Uh, High and Low from a little director from Japan, Mr. Kurosawa. Ooh. Ooh. He was in his fucking bag on High and Low, man. It is a, it's a movie from 63, so it's kind of later in his career. We've got the, you know, we, we did Ikaru on this podcast and that's like a lot of his movies are like old samurai movies but like Ikaru and this one are like kind of more contemporary movies they're set in like modern at the time of release of course yeah, yeah. we praised Ikaru for like the vibrant city scenes like the perfect framing of every single scene and high and low it's 63 so like we've got a wider aspect ratio and he's still got that like he just nails every single shot with like a larger cast of characters. He can fit more people on the screen. 
and there are scenes in the movie that are like at night like a bustling city scene and he executes them so well and they're so engaging there's just like it's still in black and white of course but they're just so alive it's such an alive movie mm. and it's 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 really cool uh i think you should watch it it's on max boh i'm sold there's i'm i'm having a mental health weekend where i sit around and watch movies so i'm in the market for some of these it's very enjoyable and very satisfying it's kind of a uh, ransom kind of movie catching a kidnapper kind of stuff um very is extremely cool and like holds up in like a modern lens very well there are a couple of plot points that i won't spoil that i think i don't know if it's my american brain or my 2023 brain but i find them a little problematic but i'm gonna wait till you watch it before discussing those points because cool. appreciate that they're pi they're pivotal uh <laughs> it's it's a cool movie people should watch high and low um probably one of the lesser known kurosawa works but it's it's great just the best and that's the stuff i watched that's it that's all dope, i did dude very dope um yeah man well shall we uh shall we transition into the main event segment gremlins 2 the new batch yeah i forgot to bring my socks to kind of puppeteer our <laughs> a, a transition into this thing but uh you're, you're nothing without your props greg i know it yeah for give an it, audio platform man oh, on my list here oh man oh shoot i ETS. see puppets that's not checked off the list darn it forgot the puppets again oh my God. guess it'll have to be a bonus features <laughs> that's right i was just gonna say this this audio this podcast will stay in audio form only i suppose so <sighs> i can't do puppets like joe dante though so gremlins too people halloween hangover a little spooky but not totally scary this is a little one-off episode, just a little treat as we transition out of the tricks. Uh, Gremlins 2 is a 1990 movie that I th I think it's just like a rental on your YouTubes, your Amazons, that kind of thing. It doesn't seem to really be streaming anywhere where like a, you need a subscription for it. So I guess that's the bad news. But yeah, uh, Denny, Gremlins 2. Let's get into it. I'll uh, I'll hit you real quick with the Critiker review of the yes. week. Oh, I do love these. Uh, this user gave Gremlins 2 a 7 out of 10, and they said, Is this the one where Phoebe Cates emerges from the swimming pool in slow motion, takes off her bikini top, and her breasts pop off to form two new baby humans? I might be getting my films confused again. <laughs> Oh, what a critical review of the week. That's one of the that's one of the all-timers, I would say. It was pretty far down the list, too. I was about to put something kind of generic, and then that one popped up, and I was like, oh, found it. There we Beautiful. go. This is why you keep scrolling. Mm. Uh, now, Denny, we suggested the theme. We kind of tossed around the idea of, like, how do we transition out of spooky season? This whole episode and concept was kind of your idea, and you immediately gremlins 2 immediately sprung to your mind uh how many times have you seen this one before like what made it really stick out to you for this theme i thought you picked it <laughs> oh 
Yes, I did. But you were very excited about it. Yes. I did pick this one. <laughs> I do love this. Yeah. What what stood out to you? And I, did you pick it? I am a liar. Uh, <laughs> well, I was I was looking ahead on our like episode schedule, and I was thinking like last year for I think it was our Christmas episode we did Gremlins, mm-hmm. and. I really enjoyed that one a hell of a lot. You said I was going to enjoy Gremlins 2 quite a bit. So I've been kind of like waiting about a year or so to watch Gremlins 2. And then, um, yeah, it it just like sprung to mind. It's like, Denny said Gremlins 2 wasn't a Christmas movie, but I do want to watch it. it. It just felt like it felt right, I guess. It felt like the right time. felt like the right movie. felt like the right vibe. So, yeah. Gremlins 2 was a... I didn't have to try to convince you to watch it, basically. No, not at all. I was like, that's a bullseye for this theme, my man. That was a perfect pick. Hell yeah. Uh, so what's your relationship with it? Have you? I guess you've seen it a few times, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I know I rented it um, as a kid growing up. Um, I, I know I saw both the Gremlins movies as a kid. My dad was, like, excited to show them to me for some reason when I was, like, very young. Um, but I know, um, I vividly remember the Hulk Hogan cameo because um, I was a big wrestling kid. And I rec- it was, like, probably the only reference in the whole thing I got, you know? So um, mm-hmm. I vividly remember this as the movie that Hulk Hogan is in from my childhood. And when I watched it in adulthood, I was like, yeah, it's just, like, a second. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's in my brain is the Hulk Hogan movie. Um, and, uh, I, I definitely a couple of years ago watched it for the first time in a while and was just like, I'm in love with this fucking movie. This is so fucking cool. Uh, I had to show it to Vanessa after that. And, uh, I don't know. I got no, no idea how many times I've seen it. Um, it, it gets better every time. Very, very rewatchable. Um, what about you? What's your relationship yeah. with it? Well, yeah, I kind of made it clear off the jump there. I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen the first one until we covered it last year, and I was kind of waiting to cover the movie before, to cover the Gremlins 2 before watching it uh, by myself. So I was excited to cover it. I didn't really know anything about it, even after watching the first one. I wasn't sure what it was going to be about, other than, like, the poster being, like, you know, ash and a cigar sitting in a corporate <laughs> chair looking out at the city, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was stoked to watch it despite having never seen it. And I was pleasantly surprised how many of the uh, how much of the original cast was in it. At least our two main kids, even though this is what, like eight yeah. years yeah. later? They still look the same. Pretty much. I don't know. <laughs> so like it's believable that these two kids are still, you know, two kids. Mm-hmm. Like Oh yeah, we've been together for like a year maybe, and it's like eight years between movies. Yep, it's crazy. They look great. Um, speaking of getting excited for the movie, we really set the tone pretty early on by having a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes intro, mm-hmm. ex- like kind of an extended bit that immediately transitions into a shot of the Twin Towers. So, <laughs> you get me. Oh my, Greg! It's it's good to be understood by you. <laughs> it just it sets the tone. They just I mean they didn't know, yeah. or did they? 
Um, Joe Dante did do 9-11 last time I checked. Um, mm. What's uh, Should we synopsis the movie? Should we give a little synopsis? Yeah, I guess so. You're, you're a little more familiar with it. I'll let you kind of summarize the plot for uh-huh. Gremlins 2, the new batch, yes. which we didn't say yet. Um, in a distant future of 1992, uh, where apparently everything is in the same building, uh, it's a evil science lab, a shopping mall, and an office park, um, and uh, they all seem to be uh, thematically connected. <laughs> oh, and a TV station, too. <laughs> Don't forget, yeah. There's just nothing this building doesn't have in it. Um wouldn't you know it um don't you hate it when you're working in the same office park that shares a space with the genetics laboratory that works on your old pet that caused a um absolute tragedy in your hometown um mm. yeah mogwai is reunited by ceos experimenting on genetics uh, reunited with uh, our i don't even know the character's name do you know the character's name Sure don't. And it's been two movies. <laughs> it's not Oops. really important. Um, it's less important in this one, for sure. Yeah, it could have been anyone in this one. It's like, the only <laughs> thing that ties this to the first one is the first cast being in it. But, like, there's, like, yeah. nothing else related about them. Um, I'm um, like, oh, cool, they're here. Gizmo! Yeah. <laughs> this guy. That's how it feels. Biggest fuck-up ever. There have been two gremlins outbreaks ever and they have both been his fault <laughs> because he can't follow the three fucking rules of a, of a mogwai um and, and i'll say not hard rules to follow yeah yeah pretty simple I, I i at least would make it more than like a quarter of the day without fucking up i don't know that's just me <laughs> it wouldn't be immediate i wouldn't just shove the thing in a desk drawer and walk away (laughs) what the fuck i gotta run home five minutes i forgot i got a call my apartment there's a leak and there's a gas leak or something guys water heater is leaking oh my god i gotta run to my apartment i'll be back in 10 minutes and he's still like ignore my jacket noise yeah i'm the one who should be taking care of gizmo you don't understand the bond between us and i'm like my guy you are the only one so far who has proven themselves incapable of taking care of gizmo everyone else has done fine (laughs) at taking care of gizmo you're horrible at it um He lived in a gift shop for, like, years without incident. Like, it was totally fine. Um, (laughs) Perfect pet. Uh, Anyway, um, I don't know what to say other than uh, the movie uh, obviously has a gremlins outbreak. They get wet and are fed after midnight, kind of like my ex-wife. My God, that was good. I don't have an ex-wife. I just needed to burn (laughs) someone. Uh, I get no respect. No respect. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Anyway, um, there's a gremlins outbreak, and then about an hour of uh, loosely connected meta bits involving gremlins puppets, where it is very obvious that what led to this movie, and this is history, is that Joe Dante really, really did not want to do a sequel, and uh, Warner Brothers begged him for years to do it, and eventually he said, fine, but you have to give me a massive budget and let me do absolutely whatever I want. And they were like, deal. And that's how we got this, like, uh, this uh, glorious clusterfuck of a movie. Um, It gets so fucking meta that um, 
the gremlins destroy the film reel and we're transported to the theater where they're showing gremlins 2 where hulk hogan bullies the gremlins into putting the movie back on it yeah inspiration takes many forms but i feel like pettiness is one of the most underexplored in film (laughs) it's really beautiful the gremlins are such petty little fuckers Anyway, they they do this whole trick to make the gremlins think that the sun set when it's still up. um, And then they expose them all to sunlight and they melt in what has got to be just one of the greatest microwave fantasy scenes of all time. Um, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You didn't just like putting shit in the microwave when you were a kid? Oh, yeah, like little chip bags, and they would shrivel up into oh, little yeah. mini chip bags. Oh, Every yeah. time my mom left me home alone, straight to the microwave with whatever I could find. <laughs> the colander this time. <laughs> um, hell yeah. Man, don't leave Denny alone with uh, fire, electronics, <laughs> a, a grim, a mogwai, perhaps. No, man. All right, well that's the movie plot synopsized <laughs> i guess yeah a lot of references uh, with our puppet friends but yeah i was i don't know i was expecting more puppets right because the first one we were really giving high praise to the puppet work and like the practical effects and all that kind of thing we were really sold on the vibe of the movie and how like the hard work of everybody involved really made that movie something special Mm -hmm. and i was led to believe the second one would at least be bigger there would be more of the puppets and all that i didn't expect them to all be especially gizmo to be so much impressively better right and like even more well executed and like more expressive and creative like it was so cool every single shot that had a puppet in it had me losing my mind and just hooting and hollering basically hell yeah like there were scenes where like uh like gizmo just looked like a living breathing animal and they had full body shots of him moving around you know Mm -hmm. and uh the uh the i want to say his name's einstein but that might be just made up uh the the really smart gremlin that gets like the brain serum i think it's i think it's brain gremlin is the is the name for it i don't yeah i don't think he has like an official name but they call him like brain gremlin in the credits his sophisticated facial movements are like cgi levels of good like it's so good i was looking at it i was just like no the puppets usually they're just like open mouth laughing or just making noises this is like lip synced to the dialogue perfectly it's like it's not as good as um little shop of horrors mm-hmm. in terms of like lip syncing yeah, puppetry yeah. and that kind of thing but it's like on the same it's in the same conversation basically like mm-hmm. it's incredibly impressive and like didn't it didn't need it i don't think but they did it anyways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah man um i it's just a. uh, uh just like a, a a film nerd masterpiece is what this is <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it's just so just every single scene to me is just like magic on a screen to me i just wanted to make that a poem uh, every single scene to me like magic on a screen to me oh <laughs> <laughs> snaps for denny folks uh 
Hell yeah, man. No, I, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely saw why you were excited about this one. This had like everything I knew you liked about movies, especially <laughs> from that era. It's just like, I, you know, I, the first one is so 80s to me. I kind of like mentally associated the two. You know, I kind of put this one as an 80s movie in my mind. And then I watch it and I've got like real, uh, when did Beetlejuice come out? Was that 90 also? 91? I, I believe it's 86, actually. Oh, shoot. Well, anyways, sure. that's the third That's the third time we've said it, so... Uh, oh, 88, okay. Oh, 88, my bad. Yeah, it, it felt... I felt more of a 90s thing in this movie. I was getting more 90s vibes, and I was getting 80s vibes despite, you know where i was in my head Mm -hmm. so i don't know really how to describe like 90s versus 80s feelings but that corporate building i think is what kind of did it for me like even the the plants in the foyer are like spray painted silver to be like match the cold aesthetic of the building it's very funny yeah, I think the the '90s had a real particular kind of yuppie. You know, um, I think that's that's definitely the, the yuppie archetype you could see in the CEO and like just the sleek design of like what was considered uh, uh, modern in the '90s. Um, frankly, mm-hmm. I miss it because they definitely took inspiration from like sci-fi art when they were designing their buildings to look modern, and now it seems like they take inspiration from like a piece of paper when they make a building um <laughs> so um even down to our f- beloved fast food restaurants which yeah. we i think we've done on this show before or just square l- lament of cool places to be as a kid uh, do you remember the mcdonald's from mac and me do you remember when they were sure that do good? <laughs> now they look like uh, corporate shoe boxes mm-hmm. very cool so that's where we're at we used to be a proper country what have they done uh, to us what are they doing? Uh, anyways. Hey, speaking of that CEO, man, Clamp, I really fucking liked that guy. He was awesome. Not like, not like the guy, but like that character and how he was portrayed, especially how it was performed, I thought was <laughs> unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's such a fun kind of smarmy character. And he's like... <sighs> You know, obviously the image of capitalism in America in this kind of indirect critique of it in this movie mm-hmm. is just got this vapid business first mindset, but it's not like in a plot ruining way or like an unbelievable way. He's just a corporate goofball. Yeah, he like everything he does for good, he kind of winds up doing it Maybe for the wrong reasons, but yeah. it's presented in such a goofy way that I'm not, like, hating the guy or anything. Yeah, he's he's very endearing. Uh, to me, one of the funniest parts of the movie is uh, after, after the gremlins have been melted, uh, when he runs in the building screaming for, like, 30 seconds, leading the charge of the SWAT team like he did something. And he's just like, ah! And it goes on through like multiple <laughs> shots. Like it's it's one of the funniest scenes of the movie to me. I was really surprised to see him in there because I was expecting like the hut 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 that mm-hmm. uh, Scroder kind of character, and then it's Clamp leading the charge. Mm-hmm. He's showing some real bravery. Maybe it's just for image, but he's he's doing it anyway. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very funny. 
I read in the credits, though, that the SWAT team leader was played by one Dean Norris, who played Hank in a little show called Breaking Bad. I don't oh, know if sure. you've ever seen it. So it's it's funny. Dean Norris just kind of, like, shows up in, like, like this and The Firm, and he's, like, kind of small roles with not really any lines or anything, and then he plays, like, a pivotal character of one of the biggest shows in television history. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. But... Hey man, I, I'm. I feel like I'm just plowing through notes here. I wanted to, <laughs> you know, I, I barely talk made about so many things. Notes, to be honest, I've got a couple here, um, but it was one of those that I was like, you don't want to look away, you know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, you know what I always forget about this movie though. Speaking of major actors, that Christopher fucking Lee is in it. That's where I was headed next. Man, oh man. And I even wanted to, uh, uh, I wanted to point something out as a niche horror nerd. Um, are, are you familiar mm-hmm. with the Hammer horror films? No, I'm not. It is a British film studio um, that has its own version of like Frankenstein and Dracula and a lot of the classics, but also just like made a lot of scary movies. Um, and it's a real fun rabbit hole. I feel, I feel to like. Go down. I feel like we might have talked about this one time before. Do, do you remember the old decor at the Alamo Drafthouse, Denton? Yes. Those were all Hammer Horror posters. Um, okay, yeah. So, um, anyway, their uh, their franchise Dracula is Christopher Lee. Um, That's right. So, yeah. to British people, he, like, is Dracula. Um, and so... <laughs> Did you see how they had him have that extended freak out at the Bat Gremlin when it formed? Oh, <laughs> it was no. a really, really deep cut. <laughs> but I, I popped huge for it as a as a uh, Hammer Horror nerd. That's awesome. Yeah, for me, it was enough that he was in the movie. Yeah, and like he's named Doctor Catheter. Like, give me a break. <laughs> I, I did a double take on that. I was like. Did they just say Dr. Catheter? Like, clearly Did that's I... not the name, right? I heard that right, right? It's a real scroter situation. Again, <laughs> happy to bring up our guy. Um, yeah, like, he looks old in this movie, and he... <laughs> it's 1990, and Christopher Lee looks old as shit. And then <laughs> 11 or 12 years later, he's in some two beloved action sci-fi or fantasy franchises. Then you Shouts see him to in, our like, guy. The Hobbit when he like when you thought he couldn't look any older, he shows up looking that old, and you're like, God damn, Christopher Lee, like take a movie off or something, man. Like rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looked like the, the final rabbi in the serious man. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember that guy. Um Oh boy do I. Oh boy indeed. Uh, what what else do you got, man? I, I kind of hogged a lot of the airwaves there. Um, I would say, um, let's see, that uh, a sex offender gremlin gets punted by a woman, and that's feminism in film, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yes. Sure it is. <laughs> um... Can you believe they shredded a gremlin? Oh my god. Uh, I made a joke. I, I watched this one with my wife and I made a joke about... You know, we, we had made tacos 
that night and we were out of avocados so she couldn't make her guacamole and i said look there's the guacamole you were missing on your taco (laughs) (laughs) very nasty no i cannot believe they shredded a gremlin that was insane insane to me (laughs) one of the grossest fucking scenes this movie is so gross at times like it's such a nasty disgusting movie And it, yeah, I, I'll describe it that way as a compliment, too. Yeah, no, it, it wants to be. And, like, as a kid, I was so into gross-out humor. Like, that was, like, 90% of my material as a first and second grader. Um, so <laughs> right up my alley. And definitely there is a part of that uh, child still alive in me to this day that will always love it. Uh, there's also an adult with a pretty weak stomach in me. And that's that's a more dominant <laughs> part at times. <laughs> And the two are not always getting along so hot, especially when we're watching Gremlins 2. <laughs> oh, man. No, I love that. Uh, one thing that popped me that I know you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't have caught up on or picked up on, when the gremlin is transforming into the spider after drinking the spider serum, they were kind enough to play a song from Slayer called Angel of Death, and I popped huge. Mm. That was my Hulk Hogan moment. I was like, mm. it's the movie with Slayer in it. This rocks. <laughs> cool uh, that was so cool Badass i was like shaking shit. my wife like i know this song she's like i don't care so <laughs> i was i'm glad you kind of led with the hulk cameo because i was gonna ask like this must have first of all this must have killed in 1990 yes that that cameo showing up and like second of all it must have killed with denny Whenever he saw it for the first time, I'd that must have been the coolest thing ever for you. Probably ninety six, ninety seven, but I'd, I'd I'd rented all the old wrestling at Blockbuster by that point. Mm-hmm. It's just like part of the pantheon for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely got the the ninety one Hulk Hogan reference when I saw this. Um, so I, I, my note here was: this is the most I've ever liked Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Are any of these gremlins black? Uh, Hulkster. <laughs> like, let's call it down a little bit. <laughs> Say the lines and let's not give you too much room for opinions on this. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I like the Hulk Hogan bit, or like, it seems like it's part of a major thing. And I, I feel like I'll get into kind of the, the negative about this movie. Mm-hmm. I have two negatives and. One of them is sincere and the other one's a little more silly. But the silly one is, like, my wife and I didn't like it when they were mean to Gizmo. Mm. Because we have a little dog. Mm. His nickname is Great Value Gizmo. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just kind of looks like that, you know? <laughs> So our little dog is Great Value Gizmo. We've been calling him that, so I've got a soft spot in my heart for Gizmo. And he was just getting brutalized in this movie. It made me very sad. He is a very sympathetic character, man. Like, what a baby face Gizmo is. He drives a little car. Like, he's cool as shit. He sings a song. Like, he's, he's amazing. Like, a really catchy song, that. Even, like, Delivery Man. Or just humming along while they work throughout the day. <laughs> One yeah, time... Like, <laughs> one time i was he was pushed yeah go, you go ahead you go ahead he was pushed over the edge and became a rambo reference uh 
Yeah, I guess, so I guess it was necessary. What, one time what, Denny? What do you got for me? One time I was holding my friend's newborn baby, and I was very anti-baby at this time, um, but I was <laughs> being polite and pretending that the baby was cool. Um, <laughs> but then um, my heart leapt, and I like immediately saw the appeal of a baby because she made a noise like gizmo. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, oh, this is like the closest thing to a gizmo that there is, except for Greg's dog. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Yeah, exactly, man. And like, uh, then you like dip the baby bee in water just to see what would happen. Like, I get... <laughs> Twins! <laughs> just shitty babies coming out of it. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing... It's it's kind of a complaint. I think it kind of prevented me from like fully enjoying the movie as much as the first one. And I think this can be resolved by simply watching the movie again. You know, Gizmo becomes a Rambo reference. I know he watches Rambo earlier in the movie, which is also very funny. <laughs> How cute was he as Rambo? Oh my god. Oh, simply adorable. I thought it was a MacGyver reference at first because we had like the match, the rubber band, the paperclip, but then he put the red headband on. I was like, oh, that's what's going on here. Um, yeah, this movie is a little too reference heavy for me. Hmm. And it's like, I feel like I'm trying to keep up with what the joke in a particular scene is rather than, like, enjoying the scene, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, they're funny once I get them, and, like, I'm having a good time, but I feel like I'm just... It's not like too many of them were lost on me, except maybe the Christopher Lee Dracula bit, like you mentioned. That was really it's quick. Not like... You had, you had, you blink and you miss that one, but I caught You it had to also... know about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had to be Denny for that one. Yeah, like, even, like, the kind of dated stuff, I still got a lot of the references. But it was still, like, not tough to keep up with, but all I could do was focus on getting the jokes, which kind of took me out of the movie a little bit when I'm just like, all right, what's this one about? Oh, I get it. That is funny. All right, what's this one about? And then, you know, rinse, repeat for, like, an hour straight. Mm -hmm. I did, like, the Batman symbol when that one flew That out was a big pop. That was awesome. I was like, that's one of the less subtle ones, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot. But yeah, I think that kind of prevented me from enjoying the movie on the whole, basically. Mm -hmm. I, I think it worked a lot better back then, but it does feel like a director was given full reign and a big budget... Where have I heard this before? <laughs> full reign and a big budget to make whatever kind of crazy reference laden satire meta nonsense was in his mind at the time so yeah i i don't fault joe dante or the movie for like pulling out all the stops when you've got this this long of a leash on you basically <laughs> i mean you know i i first saw it uh at a time when reference humor and meta humor wasn't so exhausting and tired the only humor yeah, yeah um so i guess i've never really associated it with that style of humor before um but i mean that's exactly what it is now that you say so <laughs> you know like and you know mm -hmm. i i just 
I think of it as 90s comedy, but it's really not that different from, like, every fucking movie that comes out right now. Every goddamn Chippendale Rescue Rangers ass motherfucker that comes through the fucking Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. I okay. like that movie. It's just one of the most reference-heavy things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and... You know, back in 1990 when you could, you could only... I feel like a lot of the references, like, only a couple of them were, like, movies and stuff. Like, there's the Batman one, uh, the Dracula thing, and, like, referencing the first movie, too, of course, which I thought was really funny when they, like, the gremlins attack somebody critiquing the first movie. Yes, that much. was the note I had that I was going to bring up. It's just them saying, <laughs> shut the fuck up, nerds. Like, it's so fucking awesome. Yeah, like... Those are the only references to, like, movie or, like, popular IP in the movie that I can think of. And it's the tone of shut the fuck up, nerds, like you just said. (laughs) Whereas, like, the Rescue Rangers stuff is, like, what other movie or what other franchise or what other popular IP song, character, can we, like... Like, all the references now are just other movies, shows, IPs, whatever, comics, just... Do you remember that thing Ugh. from that? Well, how cool would it be if it was in this instead? Huh? <laughs> Let's hear it. Give it up. Come on. Uh, uh, not very. Uh, yeah, so I think I was more on board with with it here than like a Rescue Rangers kind of thing because it's like so many different types of references and different kinds of satire, basically. Maybe a few too many or too heavy for my liking but if it was like only referencing movies and shows at the time i think i would be completely exhausted by it totally but i mean like you know this is before south park you know like uh Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of like satire comedy that also mixed with like adolescent brained humor bits you know (laughs) (laughs) it's it's uh i don't know i guess I guess I just saw it before so much of what is derivative of it. Um, guess that just makes me a Gremlins 2 hipster. And I'll wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah, you will. You're going to buy a hat of it or get a tattoo of it at some point. <laughs> oh, I would so get a gizmo tattoo. Aw. I approve of this. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I don't know if people saw you did get some new tattoos. I did, yeah. Um... Yeah, I got as promised, a... your bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, even better than I expected. I love it so there much. There she is, and uh, I've got my raised by TV um, Nickelodeon tattoo. It's uh, my arms are starting to fill out a little bit with tattoos, and I, I got a few more I want to oh. get. But I thought you were going to say muscles and biceps. Oh my but... god, no, Jesus! <laughs> I just pay someone to draw on it. I'm not going to exercise, Greg. I'm not going to fill my arms out that way. I know, I know, I get you. We're on the same boat, brother. Don't you worry about a thing. Um, what else you got, man? I only got a couple, a couple more things left on this one. Um, I think that's all my notes, really. Um, yeah, the gremlin brutally killing the guy for questioning the rules. Um, I. Oh my god, that was terrific. Yeah. That got a huge laugh out of yep, me. I think they they referenced it in a Red Letter Media video. 
but it still took me by surprise as soon as start, someone starts questioning the meta of like the rules in that establish the whole franchise a gremlin explodes out of his workstation and just bites him oh um the reference to the first movie um do you remember when uh phoebe cates's character um she starts talking about like how she had like something horrible happen to her on on president's day um, yes, dude. She goes say, into another little monologue. <laughs> <laughs> First Christmas like, was hard for say, her. Like, we don't have time for that. Let's go. Because it's, <laughs> it's this like really disturbing monologue in the first movie that doesn't really contribute to the story in any way. She just does it. <laughs> so they're even like laughing at themselves a little bit. You know, like they're they're uh, they're they're putting themselves up to the same scrutiny they're putting uh, other media up to. Oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that one, but it was it was really funny. I was like, I know what this is in reference to. <laughs> Why Christmas is hard for me? No, President's Day. That's that's a great, that's a great second step of that two step joke. It's it's really good. Um, I did, I did recognize Getty Watanabe, uh, the Japanese actor from Sixteen Candles. And I gotta say, man, this was a huge step up in terms of like the role he was given. Where in Sixteen Candles, horrible Asian stereotype. I know, but at least like he felt like a character. But in Sixteen Candles, it was like the joke is he's Asian. Yeah, and that was kind of the whole thing. And this one, he was like he served a purpose, but it did still come off as kind of insensitive. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. <sighs> yeah, well, you take the work you can get, I guess. Um, I, I yeah, I wanted to maybe not praise, but at least point out the uh, evolution up. of his characters the that he's played. Oh my gosh! I can't believe they fucking I, named an Asian character Long Duck Dong. Jesus Christ! John <laughs> fucking Hughes, who are you, man? We already did 16 candles. <laughs> We're not here to rehash that that mess. Oh man. Um yeah. What else you got? Any other characters you liked? You have any like favorite gremlins? It's like it felt like the bar scene from the first one cranked up to 11. Yes. Absolutely. This one goes to 11. <laughs> yeah. Um I would say this, um what would uh asking for a friend what would one call mm. it if um greta the girl gremlin was their uh fetish what what would you call that uh for a friend uh asking for a friend as you are i would tell this person to maybe seek some help especially if they're already married to a lovely human woman Maybe we should not be attracted to female puppets. But what if their or is your human woman is into it? Then hey, that's whatever happens between you guys is between you guys, and I will not uh, make any life advice for you. This is a test. She doesn't listen to the show anymore. We're fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope not. You're going to hear something in a little bit, if so. But yeah, um, 
I did like the guy. The guy kind of came around to it at the end. That was funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's like, mm, I guess I just like the attention. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the plot in this movie, or whatever, is centered around lipstick kissy marks on guys' faces. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes on with that. In this movie. <laughs> Main character guy pushes some boundaries and i would say overreaches on all a lot of them and then totally gets away with it that's not okay it's not the right message to send he like uh you know goes on a totally inappropriate dinner meeting with his boss comes home with a big lipstick kiss right here and she's like we're gonna talk about this later and they don't very sad i hope they're doing well today though yeah Let's let's look back in on them live. They're going to be two years older, than, <laughs> even though it's been over thirty years. Um, what else you got, man? Would uh, this is a uh, yeah? Would you judge me if I said I have a Funko Pop of the Sex Offender Gremlin? I have seen that one before, and I would not judge you for it. Thank you. I appreciate the, the flashing space. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I just had to get it. I'm sorry. Like it's just how do you pass that up when you see it at the store? As long as you allow your wife to kick it uh, off screen, I think it, it's okay and it kind of evens out. Vanessa, um, could you come punt the gremlin again? <laughs> like it's okay cuz he doesn't have genitals, you see. Uh, <laughs> um, despite how horny they seem. As a as a dude who uh, grew up watching uh, the monsters on Nick at Night, it was pretty cool to see uh, mm. an identical character from it. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I I watched a fair amount of the monsters as well on network television. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have Nickelodeon, so I totally understand that. Yeah, it it was great to see. I was like, it felt less like a bit reference and more like an homage yeah. I guess. but oh, also why was he why was he dressed like that in the first place he should have been the one to confront christopher lee that would have been a good little... how did they not do that <laughs> bit, right yeah <laughs> well it was it was an homage to uh like for some reason they work in the same building so <laughs> the the homage was to like a really cool era of like uh vampira and elvira hosted b horror movies that would play late at night um, they would have like a character a lot like that in a cheap graveyard set doing bumpers for uh, whatever like cheap old horror movie the the channel had bought. Um, so mm-hmm. it was basically like lamenting that that's dying and like cables becoming like full of cooking shows and stuff like that. It was just Joe Dante <laughs> being like, "Man, I miss this. Why do we? Why don't we? Oh my why God. don't we have the gremlins just shit all over everything I hate about modern television and media?" <laughs> and how about that cooking show too? By the way, mm-hmm. that was so funny, man. Like that woman was perfect for that bit part, and just like, <laughs> let's put some processed cheese on this, and then we're gonna put all that in the microwave. We're gonna microwave this, and then we're gonna microwave our other ingredients. She was so good. Oh, she played that so perfectly. Amazing. That was so fun. <laughs> a little studio audience and everything. Again, a lot goes on in this building. <laughs> Call it contrived if you want to, but, you know, 
That's how these corporations work. You own the whole building. You're going to use every floor. I just love the, like... They clearly just wanted to use all of these set pieces and didn't want to travel between locations. And so they were just like, there was this one building that had all these things in it. (laughs) They're just all near each other in close proximity. It was one of the least gremlin-proof environments you could imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so wet! (laughs) You wouldn't believe how much food and water there is here. No wonder this happened. Good lord. (laughs) And as wet as it is, what really did it was a uh, malfunctioning water fountain. (laughs) Sad to see. Um, Dude... Like, everyone was, like, when we were watching it at my house, everyone was giving Gizmo a hard time because he, like, couldn't get out of the water's way. And I was like, are you kidding me? That water is uncharacteristically hard to avoid. Like, when has a fountain targeted someone like this ever? Like, there's a fucking, that janitor was a goddamn sniper aiming at Gizmo. That is water straight from Final Destination. Like, (laughs) it's... Somehow sentient and determined. Yes! <laughs> to the point where you're like, okay, this is... Something's fishy here. <laughs> uh, I get it. It had it had to happen. Yeah. It was bound to happen eventually. Like I said, our caretaker for the Mogwai is uh, bad at it. So I don't see this as a happy ending. I'll say that. I just love that he spawned a bunch of Looney Tunes looking ass gremlins out of him. You know, like, you just... Looking and acting. Yeah, <laughs> like their faces and their voices and the, the their sense of humor, the things they found funny. <laughs> the bouncy eyes. Yeah, like, it was just... On that one psycho one. Straight yeah. out of Tex Avery, Looney Tunes. Like, it was, it was cool, man. Uh, it was just... This was a movie where it was just like, very clear uh what joe dante is into and what he hates <laughs> you know like he made his mm-hmm. his genres of preference very obvious <laughs> there you go yeah man oh man all right um i think i'm all gremlins doubt how are you doing yeah, you got man. anything left for no, me that's all the gremlins takes i got it's all the gremlins takes we need denny so are we ready to get make it up for this one yeah, let's hit the gimmicks, brother. I think so. Now, you came up with this gimmick all by yourself. Now, this is our Halloween hangover. What is your hair of the dog moment for Gremlins 2? <laughs> Open to interpretation on what that means. Um, I would say, you know, hair of the dog that bit you. Um, even though you've just binged so hard on alcohol and everything in you says don't have more alcohol, you know the only way to feel better is to have a little more. Uh, if you substitute al- Halloween with alcohol, um, I would say Grandpa Fred's set. Uh, I needed uh, just a little more spike of spooky season to, to get me over the hump um, into November. And the set where they were shooting Grandpa Fred's uh, horror show on was the immersive, uh, wonderful, retro uh, type of spooky I tend to seek out um, in spooky season and really, mm. really drink deep. And... Uh, just needed one last little eye opener to to get me up on november 1st drink deep nicely stated yeah i was one year sober on halloween but it fucking happened again (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i gotta turn in my chip um yeah my hair of the dog moment i 
I kind of interpreted it more as a like here's the last one for the road here's the one that like you know really gets you up like this is the thing that really pops you into i'm cured from my halloween hangover all right i'm ready to go it's november 1st hell yeah let's go i'm re-energized and that was the part you briefly mentioned uh, slightly before the Hulk cameo, it is when w- the film melts, the movie breaks, the gremlins are doing little shadow puppets on the white screen. My wife and I watched this one. We have a projector mm-hmm. in our bedroom, so we'll sometimes watch, uh, stay up watching movies and everything on there. And watching that scene on a projector was so effective. It <laughs> It got us huge. I was all about that Mm -hmm. scene hell yes that's awesome i actually had that thought when i was watching it i was like ah this this humor doesn't work as well on like a screen you know like this yeah you need to see it at the theater for this to like hit you know like and you got to see it like Mm -hmm. that that's freaking awesome yeah this doesn't translate completely to home video but yeah I feel like I experienced it as close as I could to the intended effect. It was, ah, that was so cool. Super cool. Um, Yeah, Danny, what about favorite lines? What do you got? (coughs) Um, Excuse you. My favorite line was, I'm going to give a couple runners up. Um, Runner up number one is, hey, I'm Leonard Maltin, and this is the movie police. Um, Because it was... uh, It was everything I hope not to be as a movie review show. Um, it felt very cinema sins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another run up. <laughs> we hope that you have enjoyed our programming, but most importantly, we hope you've enjoyed life. Uh, that's that's the new movies for win outro right there. We're gonna end every episode Dude. with that quote from now on. <laughs> um, that one almost almost made the cut for me. Mm-hmm. That was so funny. <laughs> that's like the perfect corporate like well the people are gonna want to hear from us when the world is ending like shut the fuck up and like that's the exact video that would play for that exact kind of moment so i thought that was very well well executed yeah super funny that was that was a great bit uh (laughs) and it just really caught me off guard too like that's where a lot of the laughs came from um uh but my favorite line was uh not spoken but written uh there's a container labeled acid do not throw in face and then a gremlin picks it up yes! and immediately throws it in another gremlin's face it's just, <laughs> it's just so fucking funny i was laughing already at the label saying that yeah it's... and then he threw it in <laughs> it worked it worked wonders yeah yeah um what about you man what you got for favorite line um our beloved dracula grandpa munster sort of character lamenting that like what's the point of even doing this show anymore and he says to himself i don't even have a gimmick brother you found the right place (laughs) (laughs) i got gimmicks and spades here but my favorite line is less of a line and more of a sound when phoebe cates is right in the elevator and the elevator has stopped it's going to fall and she says elevator sound alarm and a bunch of gremlins make alarm sounds going "Eh, eh, eh, eh." (laughs) 
fantastic. Oh, that worked great on me. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I know it. Uh, well, I think we're wrapped up here, Denny. Yes, sir. Last thing we got to do is uh, give a Critiker score to Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2 a new batch. gets uh, what I call the score of honor, um, 43. I only give it to movies that I that have a real special place in my heart or that I thought had a real unique charm to them. Um, I don't know why. I'm sure it's some form of autism that makes me associate the number 43 with that. Uh, and also makes me talk for long times without speaking and lose my breath. So, <laughs> 43 out of 50. Talk, talk for long times without speaking. Wait, Very god cool. damn it. Brady. It's impressive. God fucking damn it. Jesus. That's so Christ. impressive, man. You're unbelievable. <sighs> Look at him go. I'm not that good at sign I... language, Greg. <laughs> Alright, you won me back over. But I am that good at texting. Um, That's how I talk for a long time without speaking. Boom! Ayo. It made sense. Who's laughing now? <laughs> Nobody, I think, well, now. So, my... <laughs> I, I gave this one a 29 out of 40, which is a little over a 7 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I gave the first one, I think, like a 33. Or something like that. I, I enjoyed the first one a little bit more. Well, considerably more. I think the tone was just a little off on this one for me. The first one, and I think I praised it for this when we did our episode, it somehow perfectly blended three genres of Christmas movie, horror, and comedy. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen very many movies blend horror and comedy very well at all. And that movie did it and it was also a good Christmas movie. Unfucking believable. I was so impressed by it. And I just felt like this wasn't really achieving any sort of kind of special tone for me. I thought it was a whole lot of fun. And I spent the whole time just completely blown away. So impressed with the puppetry and all the practical effects. The scale of what they were able to accomplish. I was just like... It is it is a special movie, and I think I'll like it more in a second watch through. But I just had a much more special time, I think, with the first one. Was able to like feel a little bit closer to it, I guess. Yeah, very very uh, very very fair analysis and commentary um, to me. But I will I would like to watch this one again too. That's the difference. I'll watch it again with you. It's good as hell. Uh, they honestly, the first and second to me. I we actually didn't. Uh, at any point in the podcast, uh, compare the first and second movie, really, and I think that <laughs> goes to show how unrelated no. they are. Um, but I would say they, they both hold uh, about the same amount of space in my heart for very different reasons. Um, but I think mm -hmm. the the overlap in the Venn diagram is uh, irreverency and practical effects, and uh, they, they've both yes. got that in spades, and that's what I love. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, and those are two of your favorite things, so <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <sighs> All right, Denny, that's a wrap on Spooky Season and the hangover from mm -hmm. said Spooky Season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what do what do we got going on that next week, man? I feel like this is going to be a special one for you specifically. Yeah, um, I, I, I feel I feel like I'm being a little greedy because there's just a lot of 
Denny catered uh, episodes lately. Um, I, I, we got to do we got to do a Greg theme soon. Um, more, more, more. We're doing. Oh, uh, we will after next week. But yeah, go ahead. Movies for when you want to gush about your favorite movie, part two. Last year we did Greg's favorite movie, No Country for Old Men. Um, this year we're doing uh, not my favorite movie, but a movie I like a lot, and without a doubt, my favorite wrestling movie. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, uh, and it's gonna be cool as shit. Yeah, if you can find a place to stream it, it's going to be a kick-ass time. So yeah, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. The The reason we're not doing Denny's favorite movie is because we've already covered, like, three of his other favorite <laughs> movies. <laughs> so, that explains that. This is going to be a good time. This is kind of a nice little one-week break, I guess, between, like, main themes... I guess you could say, even though we've done a Halloween-specific episode, we've done this episode, and then we're going to do one more one-off episode. We're going to get back on real themes here pretty soon, but we'll let you guys know about that next week at the end of our The Wrestler discussion. It's going to be a good time. I haven't seen the movie yet. Can't wait to watch it. Can't wait to talk about it with my good friend Denny. Oh, hell yeah. Shaka bra or whatever. All right, Denny. Let's get out of Let's rock and roll. Let's boogie. I'm uh, opening my trench coat and I'm flashing you with a catchphrase, Denny. Kick me with it. For Greg the Kindall Crotch Gremlin Sex Offender Johnson, I'm Denny oh. the Feminist Cunt Punt Taylor. And this has been Movies for Grim. We already told you, Limbs. <laughs> Two. Uh, but boy. you know what we didn't tell you? What's my <laughs> Back to the drawing board, buddy. <laughs> I'm a policeman. See my badge? <laughs>